Hi, this is Brian Janikowski, Friday, November the 17th in the late afternoon. I'm Christian Thwaites. I'm Emily Tegenberts, and let's get started with this week's market chat. So Christian, we came through earnings season. Um, I wonder if you could just give us an update on the, the earnings that we saw this past week, some of the companies that reported and some of those results. Yeah, as we've talked about before, it's been pretty good earnings season. We've seen earnings up about 6% and, and sales up about 6%. Normally, you'd expect the sales number to be bigger to generate that level of earnings. So, you know, uh, a rule of thumb is if you're getting a 10% increase in sales, you're probably getting more like a 15% increase in uh, in earnings. not always that fixed. But um, it tells me that the revenue numbers are, are, are very robust. And if the earnings aren't quite as strong, it's maybe they're taking some more capital expenditures, maybe they're expending a little bit more, maybe there's some sort of one-off expenses going on there. But anyway, it just seems like it's a it's a very good earnings season that we're coming out of. And, uh, and, and, and last week, as you mentioned, we had some good numbers from Walmart, which um, we talk about in the blog. Very important. I mean, Walmart employs 2.3 million people. So it's the largest uh, employer in the United States outside the US government. Um, and 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 has I think three times the sales of Apple, something like that. You know, so it's a very big, it's a very big number. I think their sales are just under five hundred billion. So it's about two percent of, two and a half percent of GDP. So it's nice to see that they've got the volume and the sales and the margins coming through. That's great. Um, you know, I wanted to turn to also to international because you wrote about Japan again and. Uh, and you uh, pointed out that they are uh, seeing seven quarters uh, of growth for the, the first time in 30 years. Um, you know, what is this growth attributed to? Is this an endorsement of Abe's, you know, three arrows approach? Or what, where do you see this growth coming from? Well, um, that's a good question. First of all, yes, it is the first time we've seen seven successive quarters. We've seen, I think the numbers are coming in at uh, just under 2%. We've seen bigger numbers, but then we've seen bigger corrections. But it's nice to see that consistency for, for, the, for that amount of quarters. Um, so the three arrows that uh, Shinzo Abe campaigned on were this extraordinarily powerful quantitative easing, uh, trying to get more inflation into the economy through a combination of wages and, uh, and, and monetary easing, uh, and then re-regulation. And obviously, re-regulation is the slowest usually to happen. But um, but it but it is kind of very very slowly happening, and and this quarter's GDP was very much helped by exports. I mean, what what I think's been a big feature of 2017 is that there's been this global growth. I mean, the U.S. is chugging along; it's had two quarters of three percent, but you know, Asia and the rest of the world is now in sync with each other. So we're seeing some good numbers. We talked earlier in the year about Japan, Korea. Uh, and Australian exports all get indicated for emerging markets. So all that's happening. And Japan's obviously a big beneficiary of that with its massive export sector. And do you see then these emerging markets, um, you know, kind of figuring things out and having sustained growth? Do you see this, uh, you know, running for a long time? I, I think so. I mean, the big, uh, the big worry is obviously China, you know, big, uh, <laughs> um, there's obviously been some political changes recently, which certainly gives you know, some pause for thought. It hasn't been, uh, you know, hasn't been reforming in the direction we normally think of as being sort of going the other way. Um, but Japan, Japan, China is 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 generally doing better. Uh, you always have to worry about any kind of slippage in growth. But mm. no, I, I no, I think emerging markets been 
It's been a great performer this year. I think there's a lot more upside. It continues to be quite a bit cheaper than the U.S. Uh, US stock market. Great. Uh, I wonder if you could just give an update uh, on what we had talked about, that flattening yield curve last week. Yes, I, well, we had some comments on that, and I just wanted to be clear that we've seen this flattening of the yield curve, which for the purpose of this discussion is the spread between 10-year treasuries and two-year treasuries. So in a normal environment, investors would require uh, a premium yield for investing for for. For lending for longer, so you'd expect the spread to be, you know, say 100 basis points. So if two years were at one percent, you'd expect maybe 10 years to be two, two and a half. And what's happened recently is that the short-term rates, the two years, have increased in price. You know, over the course of the last sort of 18 months, they've gone from about uh, 0.5 to uh, closer to uh, 1.7% last week. Meanwhile, the 10-year Treasuries haven't changed very much. So you've seen this gap, um, you know, narrow between these two rates. And today it's around about 65 basis points. So really what we're trying to do is say this doesn't mean that there's a, uh, a recession coming. The thing we do have to worry about is an inverted yield curve where two years in, you know, yield more than 10 years. And that happens. We show a graph when that happens, then, uh, then it's time to, uh, to worry. But when we're not, we're not really there now. I think it's more an indication that we've got uh, good growth and low inflation. So good growth means that pe people think that the Fed will increase the short-term rates, but low inflation means that the long-term bonds are still attractive on a, on a real return basis. And so we've just, just seen more of a reflection of everything that's going on. So I, I think it's benign rather than, you know, the uh, 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 a cautionary wind which we, which we might have, you know, which might have been interpreted as wasn't quite what we meant about a week ago. Um, and the other thing, of course, it shows is that the Fed is uh, the market thinks the Fed is um, has, has got policy wrong, which uh, which I think they do. I think they're sort of signaling far more aggressive rate increases and certainly far more uh, aggressive inflation forecasts than are likely to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's really it's kind of packaging all that together. So to your point, in terms of what you wrote about, you know, this, unless we actually get the inversion of the yield curve, this tightening of the spreads could mean nothing. Yeah, I think it just means, uh, I think it means that uh, you've got low inflation and, uh, and, um, and, and relatively good growth. And of course, the other thing that's two, two things different is that we've had this massive amount of quantitative eatings and you've got the rest of the world still doing quantitative eating. So one could argue that rates are, mm. are, are still low. Uh, and so it, when you're casting around for where to invest as a global investor, you're, you know, your sites land right on the US mm. and there it is with a 10 year at 2.3%. 2, 2 the, right. the Japanese 10-year uh, benchmark bond, the target rate for that by the Bank of Japan is 0%. Mm -hmm. And 10-year bonds, the German equivalent, is about 0.5. After that, you're going to gilts and Swiss uh, Swiss bonds for really safe money. And you know, no one trusts sterling right now. And the other markets aren't as big. So right. so you kind of have to say, well, yeah, part of the reason you've got this low low rate is because uh, the the the, the, the Comparable investments yield don't, don't yield anything like as much as the U.S. Right, and you know, treasuries are um, usually always in demand. Um, Hugely in demand. I mean, they're big, they're liquid, um, and they uh, yeah, they, they've got this um, 
it's a credible reputation for sort of being able to manage the, uh, the the issuance side of it as well. So yeah, we'll always see we always see you know treasuries being used in all sorts of functions. People think well, you just buy them for investment. No, you buy them for repo purposes and collateral and central bank uh, reserves and a number of things. So there's always this demand going along. Right. And lastly, uh, we're just uh, now hearing about this, but there seems to be some some news coming out around. Um, the S&P uh, 500 index doing some reweightings um, in their sectors. Could you just kind of explain what we know so far? Yes. Well, we're sort of breaking news on this. We suddenly kind of hit our disc uh, today. But um, so last year, if you remember, we went from the, the S&P divides up into what was 10 sectors. And last year they added REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust, took that out of financials and created an 11th sector and became roughly, you know, 3% of the S&P and financials fell by 3%. So they don't do this very often because, you know, industries tend not to change that very much. But but there's one which they're announcing where they, that's going to be called communication services, which is right now is mostly telecom. It's sort of, you know, Verizon and AT&T. And they're going to call it media entertainment and telecom. And they're going to put companies like Google, Facebook and Netflix into that new sector. So uh, Netflix is a Netflix and Amazon are thought of as tech stocks, and they are to the layperson, but they're actually in consumer discretionary. So they're moving some from, you know, from consumer discretionary uh, into this new sector, um, communication services, and also some from tech like Google and Facebook. So that's to come, and it's a big reweighting of these different types of uh, um, uh, industries. Uh, and and then sectors, and so we'll get a twelfth sector. But mm. but Emily, I think normally when you sort of get a a change in an underlying sector, it's usually the end of something. It's oh. not the beginning of something. And I wonder whether that you know just by recasting them into a different sector, you know, uh, is is actually going to you know change very much, and it might signal a bit of a top of the incredible run that we've had in those types of stocks. Oh wow! And what with and those companies leaving the tech sector? What does that What does that mean for that sector? Well, that's interesting. You know, tech sector is an interesting one. Is I think it's very glamorous. There's some very unglamorous stocks mm-hmm. in the tech sector. There's you know things like Visa and Mastercard, which have been around for fifty years. You know, Western Union I think is in there. You know, it's a bit of a push to think Western Union is a tech company. But um, so uh, I, I think it. I, I think if anything, it's probably likely to lead to a. a, a uh, a re-rating of the tech sector. It's going to be cheaper. <laughs> and it's going to make uh, this new communication services, the old telecom one, more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, you know, I mean, S&P is very good at doing this. I don't want to sort of second guess their reasons for doing this. Uh, but I think it's more to create a little bit more balance and, and perhaps, um, you know, unpack the tech sector a little bit and say, well, yeah, it's technology, but potentially for what end? In the case in Google and Facebook, Netflix, it's really technology in order to, you know, push along the media and entertainment industries. And so that's where we're going to put them. Great. Well, thank you, Christian. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks, everybody. Uh, have a great uh, weekend. And uh, we may not be around next week, but um, but certainly um, we'll let you know if, uh, if, if we do one before Thanksgiving. And here's a disclosure. Please note the discussion of our investment, investment strategy, including our research investment process, represents our investments, investment strategy, data's commentary is subject to change without notice. 
We cannot show that the type of investment discussed in this commentary will outperform any other investment strategy in the future, nor can guarantee that such investments will represent the best or an attractive risk-adjusted investment in the future. This is for general informational purposes only. This references to an individual security should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell that security. Screens mentioned in this commentary only several of the successful and unsuccessful investments buyers do not represent all the securities we have purchased or the recommended. Although we deem reliable the sources of statistical and other information referred to in this commentary, we cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements or numerical data. Past performance has no indication of future results.